Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 217 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lippis Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Rubin on the line down in San Jose, California. Hello. I don't know why I was going to say San Francisco, I'm not sure. Pretty it's all by. the same, huh? Not the same, but it's, it's close enough. Yeah, I know. Well, so I think, I think the, the Bay Area is is very similar to the, the GTA. It's all like connected cities from one end to the other, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, um, and all the cities put together it's it's pretty large yeah it's probably the probably the third i'm guessing the third largest metropolitan area in the u.s after uh the new york area and the la area right right yeah yeah and toronto's the same thing like the gta's goes from whitby all the way through toronto and then almost around the nose of the lake right so the st Catharines and stony or stony creek and hamilton stop screaming at your screen all right all right so hi man we don't um oh so i have a little bit of fact check from last week last week i mentioned rob napier's talk and i think i said server and lies or maybe security and lies but it's actually secrets and lies and that's from 360i dev and i i was stumbling with the uh the astropad guy who was on um uh, roundabout creative chaos with i mean myself his name is matt rogue uh rogue i think he's pronounces but it's actually matt, it's spelled rouge like the french word french word for red but he said that uh i think his family's lost that pronunciation years ago um and i mean just as a side note uh, my uh, luna display arrived 
today, so I got to take it out for a quick spin on around the uh, block there. So um, Matt Rouge and his company Astropad brought out Astropad, and they're the ones that just made the Luna display. So we'll talk about that in a bit. Anyway, um, uh, Jaime, I put an AskMTJC here. Uh, it's not really an AskMTJC. It's spiritually in line with that, right? It's uh, yeah. from a friend of the show, Sean Marston, uh, says, uh, a beautiful day in CDG. I think that's Charles de Gaulle listening right. to oh, a, yeah. Tim Mitra Double Bill, the uh, MTJC podcast and Roundabout FM. And it looks like that's an Air France uh, Concorde jet behind him. Sporting a um, WWC um, MTJC t-shirt from this year. Yeah, And I followed up with saying, hey, have you heard of Spotcast? And, and uh, interesting to see that uh, he said he tried to listen to it, but it talks about Star Trek Disco or Discovery, um, which he can't watch in the UK, so he gave up. I wonder if that's because he doesn't... Uh, did it not show um, Discovery on Netflix in the UK? I have no idea. I assumed it was Netflix everywhere except the United States. Yeah. Well, in Canada, we have it on space, right? But, and as we mentioned on Spotcast last week, or yeah, last week, that the, the, the shorts, the little 20-minute ones that are doing as teasers, they're not available. So I, mean, I tried to I tried to lure him back by telling him we talked about your uh, your exploits with Doctor Who last week. So That's right. I have to watch the next episode of Doctor Who. And, uh, you haven't watched the season, second one yet? I haven't watched the second one yet, and the season premiere mm-hmm. of Supergirl, I'll probably have to watch that too, season four. Right, yeah, I'll watch that one. So um, how are you acquiring, um, am, I, am I allowed to ask how you're acquiring Doctor Who? <laughs> I'm doing it on the up and up. It's not, I'm not doing it illegally. <laughs> Um, it was just checking. It was like two dollars on on uh, Amazon for the BBC America. Just buy the oh. episode or buy a, access to the episode. Um, I think it was like normally like I think it was like three to four dollars if you wanted it in. Um, I don't know if it was in four K or maybe it was just HD. But I got the SD version, which if you ask me, it looked like a DVD, so it didn't look too bad to me. Um, yeah, for two dollars. And then I think if I go back now, the season pass would be eighteen dollars. I think it was nineteen dollars for a season pass. So, so can you load up Space TV or on your um, browser? Space TV, like spacetv.com or spacetv.ca so. or something? I think so. In the show notes, it's been there several times. Let me look. Space.ca, they is that what it is? Watch hmm? free episodes of Doctor Who. Free preview yeah. on now. What? All right, let's see. Let's see if it'll show. Oh, no, look at that. It's got a big old lock symbol on it. So what I see is uh, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, which is episode one, is available, I think. But I have a lock on The Ghost Monument. Oh, so you can watch. Um, you can watch the first episode? It says I can watch the season premiere for... F- oh, no, wait, hold on. Uh, I might have to turn off Ghostry or something because it's complaining that content is not available for viewing in your browser, which I'd be shocked if Chrome wasn't supported. Well, it could be reverse C- CRTC or something. <laughs> yeah, that's probably just like the default uh, error message they put up. Yeah. Here it is. 2018. We can't I watch know. our... We can't watch material seamlessly from other countries. I know. It's like, what? what is this? You know, we can, we can chat, we can do podcasts, but we can't like you know i mean this is ultimate proof right of like the the meta uh the meta thing about this podcast and that it's never a technology problem it's always a people problem yeah (laughs) a policy problem yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. people involved with laws problem and uh distribution rights well yes the ownership of the show i mean jonathan was complaining about the fact that last week that he couldn't watch something but it wasn't oh it's a flash right and um it's because no canadian broadcaster bought the rights to the show that's why you can't watch it i can't can't remember who had it on last year i think it was i want to it was space. I can't remember. Or CTV or something. Anyway, that's too bad. We'll move on. Um, yeah, so thanks, Sean, for the shout out on the, uh, the Twitter machine there. Always welcome. Um, and you're missing some great banter on Spotcast. That's all i got to say, right? Especially with Jonathan on the show. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have some follow up and you've got the first item here, right, Jaime? Yeah. An episode or two ago, we were talking about iOS 12 adoption being somewhat slow. And I guess it picked up a bit um, in the past week or two, because according to this article, iOS adoption uh, is progressing faster on 12 than it was on 11. Now it's uh, 
uh, installed of 50% of iOS devices. Yeah, their... this is based on the chart on Apple's own site. So I yes. think um, Mark mentioned a lot two weeks, two, oh, two weeks ago, and it was from, I forget which site it was, but... Uh... So I, I posted the mixed panel chart, which showed yeah. what pretty much everyone has been saying is that initially, the first few weeks, it was a little slow, right. but then it picked up and it's it surpassed uh, the rate at which at, at which iOS 11 was adopted. So it's it's mm-hmm. far ahead now. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty stable OS, I mean, comparatively speaking, right? So mm-hmm. I haven't found yeah. anything weird about it. I wonder if it uh, started out a little slow, if people are like, eh, I don't know if there's anything exciting and other folks, you know, word of mouth as we speculated, like, oh, it's actually pretty good on my, phone, my old phone and then it didn't make it terrible. So, oh, okay, I guess I'll update then. Get me some new, you know, emoji. Now, I have found a couple of things where an app built against the iOS 11 libraries running on iOS 12 uh, have some bugs, some issues. Really? Like what? I found a couple of them. Uh, well, one of them was a something to do with uh, decoding video and showing video and, and, you know, the AV Foundation classes. Yeah, I get you. Uh, what was the other one? I can't remember the other one, but that that was the big one. But there was at least one more. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was, there was, there was one place where the constraint system, uh, it, it appears to change the order that they do things. So I had one case where where initially it was setting up the constraints uh, and, and there was just something hadn't been set up yet. So a variable was essentially not a number because it just hadn't been defined yet. Uh, and I was using it in a calculation for a constraint. So in iOS 11, it wasn't worried about that because it, it was setting up the constraints first before it, defi- before it defined the number and then you tried to do the calculation. But in iOS 12, r- again, building into iOS 11 libraries and running on iOS 12, there was a case where it was trying to use the results of the calculation in a, in the constraint before it had been before the value had been set up, which was a little strange. Uh, but and and of course that would crash the app. So uh, easily fixed, but you just you know you don't know it until you until you try it. And the, you know the good old days where you could just take an app and use yeah. it, and all future versions of iOS yeah. seem to be gone. And it used to be that way, right? It used to be yeah. back in the old days. You could you know you'd compile something against iOS three and it would be still working great in iOS six. Yeah, I, I wonder about that sometimes because you know we get the weirdest like we have a lot of we support a lot of OS's and versions like we're you know two three versions back as well as um, multiple devices and it's the strangest bugs come back to us from QA with you yeah. know oh, this this you know a Mac mini or an iPad mini and and this OS has this particular bug and you know whether it's an animation or something doesn't quite fit right or some constraints not being honored or what have you right so mm-hmm. and it's just these weird little edge cases that can't come back to us all the time right mm-hmm. very strange yep. very strange strange but yeah, other than that, it's been pretty good, I have to say. Right. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, the next one here is from me, and I, I titled it Surprise. Uh, it turns out that Facebook, in fact, can use the data that they collect from portal devices to and uh, in the in-home devices they have there to target you. So they're initially, and if you read the story here from uh, Recode, initially they had said that uh, they were told that they, that uh, there was they wouldn't be using the data and you know that they collect through the home device. Oh, sorry, through the is it home device? What they call it portal in home um and uh now they've they've come back on they've retracted that and they're saying that in fact uh they can so what a shocker i know eh? <laughs> I, i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt of just given the way that it happened that facebook itself reached out to correct things rather than maybe um, maybe like an investigative report discovered or uh you know some rogue engineer decided to tell the press what I, i'm thinking happened here is the exec in charge of of portal probably stated what they believed to be true not really realizing until somebody in the engineering team is like, hey, bro, you know we're using messenger infrastructure, right? Yeah. Uh, you realize that infrastructure tracks the heck out of everything for various metric re- 
reasons and we can do add correlation, right? Oh, oh, okay, we better reach out and correct this thing <laughs> so it doesn't look like we're hiding something. Right, right, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's still bad. Like, they, they really should be really careful about that sort of thing, sort of in general, but more specifically given all of the attention given to privacy, it, not only in general, but specifically related to them. Yeah, actually, it's interesting. I saw an article today. I didn't grab it, though. Uh, I thought we had enough to talk about today, but uh, I saw an article earlier today um, from Amber Mack saying that, uh, and, and the, basically the, head, the byline was, you know, you, you sh- maybe you shouldn't be using Facebook to log into all these from a, other other apps, probably for similar reasons that, you know, um, you know, Facebook is basically collecting data through that, right? Or, I mean, they have the potential to collect data through your activity and other apps as well. Oh, interesting. So, I hadn't heard of it from that angle. I heard of it from a, um, now you've given the keys to yeah. like one, one party, which I think I used to look at Facebook and Google and to a lesser extent, Twitter login as being you know more secure and definitely more convenient than yeah. trying to manage, you know, a whole slew of passwords and everything. But uh, in an era of, you know, one password and last pass existing and how tightly it's been integrated into the iOS and Mac ecosystem, it just seems like a risk you wouldn't want to take anymore. It seems like, mm-hmm. yeah, you should just use one password or another password manager like iCloud Keychain or something uh, instead because it's it's not any more difficult to you know, just use those to generate. Like it will even suggest stuff for you now, right? Like here, press this button here. Stop being lazy and we'll, we'll generate one for you. We'll store it for you uh, rather than having to defer to parties like, you know, big attractive parties like Google and Facebook and Twitter. Right, right. And I can't find the link for I'll, I'll put it in the show notes and we'll can talk about it next week. But uh, this, this is apparently there's some big story in Canada today with some sort of introduction of some law that uh, they changed. So it seems to be dominating the, the Canadian uh, news landscape today. So yeah, I imagine it wasn't a very productive day in Canada. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently they ran out of ran out of supply halfway through the day, which is no surprise to me at all. No Cheetos uh, available at any convenience store no, anywhere. No. They ran From out of Max, milk, shining like Max chocolate milk. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, one of the credits on the um, on the Russia's album twenty or all all the world's a stage is a, a live recording. And if you look at the liner notes, they think you know this particular we have a like a chain of a stores that we had a chain of stores named Becker's, and they thanked Becker's chocolate milk for for uh, in on the liner notes. I'll let you figure that one out. Um, Mark probably gets it. All right. Oh, um, you have no idea. Oh, <laughs> okay, good. So soothes your throat. You know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Anyway, hmm. very important product in here in Canada. Um, uh, this was a quick one. Um, I just read that our, um, Apple is, uh, we've been talking about this as a follow-up again on Apple and their forays into competing with Netflix and Amazon Prime. Um, an article here about uh, the fact that um, they're going to be pr- providing um, content to the Apple devices, Apple TV, watch, and, and phone, I suppose, um, for free, apparently, to, according to this uh, article from LA Biz. You guys seen this or heard about this? Yeah, I heard about this and it didn't make 100% sense to me. I feel like they're missing something here because I thought Apple would end up using this sort of content to drive you know, of course more devices mm-hmm. uh, and that makes sense. Cool. But they're increasingly trying to bring in that subscription revenue and I was a little unclear how giving away content would, would work towards that unless it was a uh, okay, you get this one series for free but if you want to see all these other good series um, or uh, maybe you can watch it live but if you didn't see it, you know, that day, then well, pony up your nine ninety nine a month for Apple Music, mm-hmm. and not only do you get the music, but you also get to watch our original content. Oh, that may be how, yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you, yeah. If you, if you click on one of the links to read more links on the article, it takes you back to Mark's favorite news ca- news website, CNBC. Is that correct, Mark? My favorite news site? Why do you say that? <laughs> you're always susp- you're, aren't you suspicious of CNBC? A little bit. They're not as bad as some others, though. I actually can't read this article because it's behind a paywall.
paywall. Could you guys read it where you are? Which, the CNBC one or? No, the Biz Journal one. Oh, oh really? No. It, it didn't hit me with a paywall. Huh. Did you reach your monthly maximum or something? Like happens I, to me with the New York Times occasionally? Well, here, let me grab this other link here. Copy this link. This is the link to the other site. So they put a paywall in front of a link to a, or another website, which they don't control. <laughs> Beautiful. Wonderful. Wonderful idea. They do mention that maybe this this content would be free through the, the TV app or drive you to using the app. And then um, content through other partners like HBO and Stars would be available through a uh, like a channels subscription, which sort of makes sense to me because um, I'm sure there's others that do this. But the one that comes to mind is Amazon, where hypothetically, if I wanted to, I could you know pay through Amazon for CBS All Access and HBO and Showtime and probably a whole bunch of others that are not coming to mind. Um, I think to make the billing and everything else a little bit more seamless is probably the, the play there. And I assume that Amazon, um, or in this case, Apple, if they were fulfilling that role, would get um, a cut of that revenue or get a, um, yeah, it's probably like a recurring cut rather than like a finder's fee, like a one-time, you know, oh, great, we got a subscription signed up and here's $100 sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We'll see. They said it was going to be released in early 2019, so that's not too far away. And I'm sure more things will leak out about this in the future. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, it could be part of your Apple Music subscription. Um, that could be part of where it's coming from. All right. So this is, a f- uh, last week I mentioned at the end of the show that um, um, I just found out that about the CBC investigative report thing about uh, Apple overcharging for repairs. And I had a chance to go back and um, watch the video. It's about, it's actually a special news report on that was on our national broadcast here. And it covers a bunch of different things. One one in particular is, you know, they, they take a hidden camera thing with a, with a MacBook Pro with a display issue into the Apple store and the genius says he takes it in the back and comes back and you know the, the little indicators that indicate whether the, the device has had water damage or water exposure um, had changed colors and so he comes back and he says you know you need to change all these parts for us to, to you know give it a blessing and say it's it's repaired um, and then they take the, apparently they take the same computer to some repair place in um, I want to say Brooklyn um, to a gentleman named uh, put the note here yeah Lewis Rossman who does repair for um, we have a couple of small repair shops like this in Toronto too, but they took this one to to, to the U.S. and uh, he found a bent pin and he re- he just bent it back and and you know put the, the computer back together and it was, the display problem went away right I guess it was like an intermittent um, backlit problem but um you know an Apple wanted like a thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars Canadian to repair it and he said it was a free repair for for him to do it for these guys and uh, so the question that you know comes back to I I don't know you guys are familiar with the, the website iFixit which takes a Part phones and stuff like that. They're in, they have this, you know, twenty eight billion, twenty eight million dollar business, you know, repairing uh, phones and selling parts to people. Uh, so they're on there, and, and their um, chief guy is uh, a spokesman for the, the Right to Repair group in the United States. Um, and there's a link here I've got in the show about, or in the show notes about um, uh, the right to uh, their statement on the right to repair stuff. And they're they're claiming that you know Apple's kind of locking us in and um, you know making us pay a lot of money to repair things and. Which could be true. I've always been a proponent of Apple Care as a cheap solution to that. Um, but and you know, and we know that Apple parts are are not cheap, right? So they're you know things break big down. You're going to get them fixed, right? Um, and I will be honest that I've I've noticed in some of these CBC reports that at least this is my opinion that they tend to um, they tend to not tell the story straight up. I find that sometimes they they'll they'll be critical and they're trying to raise these you know consumer alerts about things and they're not always you no know, they'll they'll say we tried to contact Apple but 
they you know they declined to comment. Well, maybe they didn't answer the phone is the actual truth or whatever. Um, which I mean, I'm not saying that's the case here, but um, I find that sometimes they they the to sensationalize the story, they kind of like they skip over some of the details. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but because they do make it look like you know they make it look like well it was it could have been fixed for free, but the guy at Apple, the genius at the Apple store, is is basically reading from a chart that says you try this, you try that, you try that, and and you tell the customer this is what it costs to fix. I mean, they probably yeah, get they, a ton. They of don't know. People. They're they're like high school kids half the time, right? They just, yeah, exactly. They yeah. Um, no offense to any geniuses out there, but or high school <laughs> or, kids, yeah, or, or Apple geniuses, or <laughs> right, anybody who right, resembles right. an Apple genius. Um, so yeah, but, so I I agree with in general with the right to repair thing. I mean, I think you should have the right to to. I mean, you bought it, you know, you should be able to fix it. But but I kind of do see where Apple's coming from at the same time. You know, you could, you could kind of look at it in two ways. There's, you could, you could look at it as Apple as the evil, you know, empire just trying to get every last dollar out of us by making us uh, buy new things instead of being able to fix them. But, but I kind of think it's not. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of that, but, but it's not really that. I think, I think the real yeah, reason that's not the intention. That, they are, they are concerned about everybody having a great experience, right? Yeah. yeah, and and it's a lot of it is cost, right? If you if you made these super small, you know, thin devices in such a way that they were easily repairable, it would have cost a lot more to, to design them yeah. and manufacture yeah. them. And, and so the initial cost would be way, way higher than it is. So, so by trading off some of that flexibility, we get a lower cost product that we can buy. So yeah, I mean, I, I can see both sides. I can see both yeah. sides. I mean, if you want a wafer thin Microsoft Surface, you, they've got to apply some, some engineering um, tricks, you know, like they have to use glues and things like that to to get these small pieces together right because right the same with an ipad i mean an ipad is like pretty much glued together or the battery in your phone i mean it is a shame that you know you know you used to be able to change the battery on a nokia or a blackberry but then again the battery was like half the size of an altoids tin you know um which meant that the phone could be only only could be only so thin uh, but anyway the, the 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 story goes on to tell about geekbench which is, a, which is an app uh, developed by a canadian or uh, i mean developer right here in toronto um who discovered the discrepancy about the phone thing that we talked about um, six months ago, I guess, when when the big conspiracy about Apple throttling the performance of your uh, phone if uh, the battery w- couldn't, didn't hold in as, as much charge. Um, and Apple claimed at the time that they were doing it to prevent, you know, your phone from shutting down un- unusually or, or whatever. And so the, what they did was they threw their big uh, Geekbench software. They found that, that as, the, as the phone aged, it actually was running slower. Um, and the solution was, according to a Reddit article, which I've got a link in here is just replace the battery, and then all of a sudden your performance, you know, shot back up again. Um, and we talked about this at the time that that um, you know I think Apple had an up, a system update in I think was it was it in eleven or ten where they they were uh, tuning the performance of the phone is how they put it I believe remember that yeah yeah it's an option now you could say yeah barely I want full power you know on the engine but um, if it randomly stops at forty five percent okay yeah. oh well I, yeah. I explicitly opted into this experience yeah yeah. And I mean, I've noticed that ever since I've had a watch too. There's a lot of communication going back and forth. That that you know, like my phones don't last the entire day um, because I'm you know I'm using my watch all the time, and it's and it's using the phone as it's piggybacking on the phone, and the two of them are communicating communicating all day long, right? They talk about this uh, Shanna Scarlett, uh, who's you know having a, has a class action lawsuit against Apple for you know reaching into people's phones and you know uh, without without their permission and throttling the device, right? So um, it's you know it's 
I think, I don't know, it's, it's hard to, hard to, it's, you can buy into the argument that Apple is doing this, but I think it's just a bit of, you know, conspiracy theory, theory sauce on there, right? Yep. Um, in terms of, uh, I don't know, but it's an interesting read. I, mean, I think people should watch the video and uh, follow the links I've got here on the show notes. Um, it's an interesting perspective on, you know, the man and what he does to us, right? <laughs> Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, I think it's kind of tricky. I do definitely think people have the right to repair. I don't think that's necessarily the same or should not be conflated at the very least with um, ease of repair. It might take specialized tools to do it for some of the reasons that Mark talked about, right? That, you know, if you're, if you're going to manufacture it at scale at a certain cost and have it be, you know, so performant or, or so thin, like you can't just use a random, like, you know, normal Phillips screwdriver to put the thing together, right? It's not, not like that anymore. Um, I do think that things should generally be repairable uh, by the user or, you know, by third parties with maybe the one carve out being that there should be special consideration given for security related things. Remember when people got really grumpy that they replaced the um, the touch ID sensor and they would get the mysterious error 53 thing? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. I think that was a legitimate security thing. So, they, you know, people can't uh, surreptitiously change the touch ID sensor and, and confuse you, trick you into thinking that you've got, um, you know, a normal sensor in there and, and everything related to the secure enclave. But I also don't think that Apple should just have like, error 53 sucks to be you. Like, it really should have been a more helpful, like, please take this to an Apple center and have them triage that. Like, I feel like that's one of those areas that would be rather difficult for you to repair yourself without it compromising security in some way. And so I think it'd be incumbent on Apple to make sure that that particular repair is, you know, fair and reasonable for folks if they become the, the true single source for that. That's true. But I mean, like the whole thing, I, I, I believe that part of the Touch ID sensor is is involved in, in well, there's hardware encryption that, on the device that, that encrypts. It's part of the encryption process, right? And just like we were talking last week, well, if I if I want to get around, I just change the key, right, and then then I can get in, right? Um, so yeah, you're right. I think I think there has to be it's a certain amount of control that has to be you know put in place to protect us from ourselves. To be honest with you, right? Um, you know, you don't want strange people getting. I don't want people getting at my data. Like you know, like I have I have contacts in my in my uh, my address book that I, that would just be frankly embarrassing for other people to get a hold of, right? You know, because they're, like they're both people who trust me. Like you know, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like I you know I have customers that trust that that I'll keep that I'll keep their 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 privacy right or their information private that's why they they come to me this you know what do you call it the, it's the talk about with Apple all the time it's the uh, it's basically a trust relationship right I forgot the terminology for it but you want to you want to protect that and and that's one of the reasons why I don't I mean I I'm always you know shaking my head at people who don't put passcodes on their phones and you know or don't use face ID or touch ID and and wonder why you know we put these why why these blocks are put in their place I mean we're, we're digressing from the whole story about uh, this uh, repair stuff but um, you know I think I, I agree with the the idea that you know you can't just touch, change a touch ID sensor or a home button right so and there's lots of third party batteries out there and stuff like that too and and they may or may not be to say the same spec or standard that Apple expects them to be at, right? And that could affect the performance of your device or the longevity of it as well, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so what do you want to do? Talk about next, Kwame, the user downloads or Photoshop? Let's talk about the uh, the Photoshop thing. Let's just go straight down the list. All right. So, yeah. So we've been talking for a long time about um, the fact that, uh, you know, we want pro apps on the I- iPad. Um, and uh, one of the one of the products that, you know, a lot of people use, I, lo- I use it all the time, is, I mean, you know, 
know, several times a week is Photoshop, right? And uh, Apple has announced that they're going to uh, provide a, a version of Photoshop CC or Creative Cloud for the iPad coming up in the future. So, and I posted an article in here and so did Jaime. So we have two different sources here. Um, so what, do you, what have you got in your uh, source there, Jaime? It's an uh, announcement from Adobe about having the like true real Photoshop on the uh, on the iPad. Uh, mm-hmm. There are still some limitations. They, they said it will not be like a, a perfect one-to-one, but it's not like a, um, <laughs> here's a pun, it's not a gimped version of the software uh, uh-huh. on, the, on the iPad. Um, yeah. And the demo that was shown here by, I believe it wasn't an Adobe person, I think it was somebody from The Verge's staff. It looked pretty easy to use. Um, it looked like they had done a lot of things to try to make it so that, you know, if you have an iPad Pro and Apple Pencil, um, the touch environment still works. And mm-hmm. it's never, I think, going to 100% overcome. Uh, there's a video in here too, I think, where some people from other uh, parts of the staff are like, yeah, you know, I know a lot of the keyboard shortcuts to do certain things that I do repetitively. And uh, we don't have a keyboard on this. Um, so that, that will take some getting used to. So I think Adobe will probably have to continue to refine that and make it so that there are, um, you know, easy repetitive actions that can be done for folks that uh, that do that sort of thing. But it certainly seems like it's a big step in the right direction towards having, you know, these quote unquote pro tools on the iPad. And uh, I'm trying to look for pricing. The, the thing I saw was that it was going to be part of the uh, Adobe Creative Cloud licensing, but I don't know if there was going to be a separate non-Creative Cloud subscription pricing as yeah, well. Yeah, I don't believe there is. I, I kind of read through both of these articles and I got the impression that, that it's going to be a part of the Creative Cloud subscription, which is, around, I think it's around, for Photoshop alone, it's around $20 a month, um, which is still reasonable because I think Photoshop used to be like eight or $900 to buy in when it was a retail box, right? Um, the um, Yeah, the th- for me, the thing is like, you know, the, the I mean, I like to use my fingers on my iPad and stuff like that, and, and uh, that's a challenge uh, with with doing fine things. But of course, you know, you've got the access to the Apple Pencil, which gives you more fine, fine control and um, lack of a keyboard. I'll talk about that too in, in, in my pick, but um, um, that's that would be another another consideration. But I, I would assume that you would be able to bring up the you know the iPad keyboard and and uh, key things in. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of work done in Photoshop is done with layers as well, like and and you know a lot of the filters and effects tools. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that works. And one of the things that I do as a, as when I'm doing my digital art in Photoshop is I'll, I'll open multiple images and I'll drag elements from one uh, file to another and then you know layer them and you know play around with them and stuff like that and compose them composite them I guess is the term. Um, so I, I'd be interested to see how they're going to handle that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of the drag and drop mechanism that's in the iPad now, right? That may be uh, one of the ways they'll get around that. I do have the other Photoshop apps on my my iPad. And I play around them every now and then, but they're not quite Photoshop-y when I'm doing air quotes here in the same sense that the desktop version is, right? Right. And something they mentioned um, related to this announcement was their concept of the cloud PSD. Yeah. Uh, PSD being the file format that Photoshop uses and that it would work pretty much like Google Docs does where you can collaborate pretty seamlessly so you could, um, you know, start something on your desktop and then sort of move to your couch on your iPad and continue working uh, without a hitch. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, the ability to, like, you know, I think one of the things about, you know, iCloud and I use Adobe Cloud with, with Acrobat currently. Um, they have like a document cloud where so I can have files that are, you know, on my local, on my my, my iOS device or can have it in the cloud so I can access it from, from my Mac or from, from my iPads or my iPhone. Um, but yeah, the, the whole sticking stuff, I mean, Pages has done that, you know, with pages and, and numbers and stuff like that and Google Docs, as, as you mentioned, right? So the Photoshop file format in the in the sky is, is cool. And I think one of the articles that we've got posted here also talks wonders whether Illustrator 
Illustrator is, is uh, on the heels of uh, Photoshop. And it could be, too, that, you know, we have that, that upstart, uh, well, they're not an upstart company. They've been around for a long time. But the, the Astro, you know, the um, designer people, you know, the... Um, like Affinity Designer? Affinity Designer, yeah. They have they have a Affinity Photo and Affinity Designer, which are basically, they're, com- they're competitors to um, uh, Photoshop and Illustrator. They're, you know, like they're, they're possible ways that you can, and they're, they're a one-time purchase uh, software, right? So you, you pay 50 or 50 bucks. I'm just pulling a number out of my head. I don't really know, but I don't remember. But you, you, you pay that one-time cost and then you have, you know, a fully functional, you know, app on your, on your iOS device, or you pay a little bit more and you have one on your desktop, right? And then of course their, their files are interchangeable as well. So that could be part of the motivation behind, uh, by photos, uh, Photoshop's come, or Adobe's come to the table in this sense, right? Besides yeah. the fact that it's like the number one d- tool for this kind of work, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it totally makes sense from their perspective because they were, you know, leaving money on the table, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, clearly, they're, they're competitors who filled the, the void while they weren't there. And I think it just enhances the value for their Creative Cloud subscription pricing where, you know, I, I imagine it's like a bring whatever device you've got, we'll support it sort of thing is, you know, it makes that, what do you say, $20 a month for Photoshop? That makes roughly, it more, yeah, roughly. more palatable. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah, like like the, the whole thing with the Surface is, is it's a full Windows operating system. So they've they've had Photoshop for all this time, right? Like, um, I think the one time I went and did a demo on either on the, the I don't know if it was the Studios, Surface Studio or the Surface uh, device itself, but I fired up an, a copy of Photoshop and it was just like working on the desktop, right? Except I was on a touch device, right? Yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, I, and it was, like I said, I've, the reason why I had it as follow up is because we've been talking about this kind of one day Photoshop's going to do something on the iPad or oh, iPhone or whatever to you know make our lives better in some way. In a in a long enough timeline, everything is follow up, right? We um yeah, we could talk uh, around uh, around the June time frame. It's like follow up to last year. <laughs> There's a new version of iOS <laughs> coming out this week. That's you true. know, um, yeah, everything yeah. is follow up to that first announcement by Steve Jobs ten years ago or whenever it was. At the- but, no, it's it's the first iPod <laughs> yeah. when he brought up the iPod out of his pocket. Everything's been follow up, right? Right, right. <laughs> or ever since the Mac said, "Hello, I'm Macintosh," you know, yeah. coming out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, right. It all goes back to Alan Turing, if you really want to look at it that way. Sure. Um, goes right. back to the first caveman who figured out how to how to add two numbers together. <laughs> caveman, whoever it was. Yeah, yeah. His cousin invented the wheel. Yeah. Um, a few months later. All right. So yeah, and the next story you have here, Jaime, why don't you lead into that one? Yeah, I have no. No idea this is available anywhere other than the U.S. Um, and of course to the EU because this is follow up to the GDPR, the uh, General Data Protection Regulation that uh, the European Union instituted earlier this year. As part of that, um, Apple in this case made it possible for you to download all your data that they have about you, and uh, it was not available outside of the EU, but uh, now it is, and at least the United States. I have no idea if what is this, is it privacy privacy.apple.com. You'll be able to log in with your Apple ID, and my understanding is it does ask one of your devices devices for a, uh, or sends a code to one of your other devices. So, you know, trying to address the concern a lot of folks have, uh, but online of like, oh no, like now I can, you know, now criminals just go in and get my info. It's like, well, they'll have to have your device too. Uh, so they'll have to have your Apple ID, your password information and the device, which at that point, like, I don't know why they're downloading your data anyways. They might as well go buy some stuff and move to another country. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I guess it's there. People are, uh, still following along to see what it is. It apparently is not instantaneous. It takes several days to 
to maybe uh, like about a week to get your info, apparently. Um, and folks were wondering, I think originally it didn't have uh, photos in there, but it seems like there's been subsequent updates to say that, yep, photos are included as part of the data. I guess it wow. could be a, a nifty way to get like a huge data dump for all your iCloud photo data and move it somewhere else uh, off-site, I suppose, if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Or over to Google. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's been available in May since uh, for the, the people in the EU, EU because of the GDPR, but uh, and, and you know, it's available to you on, in the US of A. Yeah. And it's funny because I noticed that uh, that piece you were talking about, the, the um, way that one device vets you. Is, I can't remember what, what one of my Apple apps, it might be Logic or hmm, I can't remember which one it was, but I had to actually go in and make a specific um, uh, login for that for that application. Like, you know how in, in Google, when, you, when two-factor authentication first came along, you had to make a, a key for each um, account you were using or each way you accessed it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, it was sort of a way of vetting it. Let me just look at my Apple ID here. Yeah, so you mean like your iPhone or your iPad would end up having to get app-specific or device-specific tokens sort of generated for them? Yeah. Oh, you know what it was? It was the, the app, lo- app uploader. The, uh, remember the other day I was having trouble with uh, uploading my app to the um, to iTunes? So when I wanted to use the application loader, Apple made me go into my Apple ID and make a specific key for that um, for that application so that they could prove that it was really, you know, it wasn't just me logging in through, uh, you know, this app randomly. It was actually... It was like a, another code signing that was happening between the app and, and my computer, right? So, or myself somehow, right? So I have to make a specific app password for under my Apple ID in order to upload. So I wonder if that's all part of the same sort of thing. Like you were saying, that they're one of the one of the ways Apple is going to require that you authenticate yourself sort of doubly to prove that it's really you to get your data, right? Yeah. And I think probably the funniest thing I saw online was somebody really, really grumpy about like, oh, well, so this second authentication part assumes that you're current apple customer but like what if i had like an ipod like 10 years ago and and now i'm on an android device and like how do i get this like well sucks to be you buddy because you know the solution isn't going to be perfect for everyone maybe they'll have a like go into an apple store and bring your device and here you go here's your data sort of thing i mean well there's there is kind of a way that they solved this because you know I, I think i mentioned before that i run my old my servers run older versions of os i think one of them's on 10 points or like uh no leopard uh, as I was actually reformatting a computer at work today, and it was uh, it came up with Mavericks when I when I went to reinstall the OS. And when I went to log into the Apple ID, it asked me like the way the way they get around that is because you know how all the all the new mach- new machines ask you for the verification code, the six digit code that you get from your your account, your two factor authentication. Mm-hmm. So on those older devices, you put in your Apple ID as the username, and you put your password plus the six digit code. So you do the password and that all in one string, right? And then and it has to be like you know fresh off your phone or whatever, and then, so. So Apple has kind of thought about how they how they're dealing with older devices, right? Um, like some like in some in the case of um, in the case of uh, Mavericks, it was able the prompt was there to tell me to add to add the six digit code, but on on Yosemite and you know uh, Snow Leopard, I had to remember to add that. It would just I would just you know I'd try to log into the Apple Store for whatever reason or you know to iTunes or what have you, and it would just look at me like it kind of like no, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't shake to say no, like you know it does that when it when you got the wrong information, it would just sort of look at me sideways and you know um i had to remember to put the six digit code in the end of it i 
had to, you know, Google it and Stack Overflow it or whatever to, to find out about that problem at first. But Apple has been thinking about how they're dealing with this um, this extra data they need, right? Right. To prove it's really high, man. All right. So anything else we want to say about this uh, cool way of getting your data? No. I mean, I think it'd be interesting to try it out myself at some yeah. point and, and see precisely what they have. But I kind of suspect there won't be any, um, I, don't, I don't think there will be any sudden horrific realizations as there were with yeah. uh, other companies Facebook. who tended to yeah. have, you know, a lot more tracking of stuff to begin with. I think Apple's kept it pretty lean for on the up and up, yeah. Uh, you know, for their own particular reasons, right? Because they don't really have a business model based on tracking. They have a business model on making things that uh, make you want to buy them. So yeah, totally different. Yeah, it'd be interesting for me because I've been, you know, I've had a dot Mac account forever, right? So like, I know there's some images out there because they used to have uh, they used to have an image a photo connection on um, Mobile Me for like a, you know you could have images up on there and they they closed that down years ago, right? But uh, I'm sure those images are still floating around somewhere. Yeah, cool stuff. Like I haven't looked. I mean, I think I do. I get my my dot Mac email on my my Mac now. But you know, for the longest time, it was like a, a period of there, period there, like five six years ago, or maybe more, where where all we were, we were getting spammed on that uh, account too. So, lots of fun. Mm. All right, so I guess we're at the picks, are we? Yeah. I think so. I think it was the all follow up show today. The all follow up show. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, shall I go first? Yeah, go for it. All right. So I got some. I got three things here. One of them is a LinkedIn video. I don't know if there's a. I'll just see if there's a YouTube video version of it or whatever. But um, this was cool. Um, it was demonstrating how Google, Amazon, Apple, and Tesla are, are solving first world problems. That's the headline from it. So what it, what it shows is a video of, of a delivery guy from Amazon going to the door and ringing the doorbell. And of course, the person who you know has the house wasn't home, so he used his his Nest Nest camera to talk to the the delivery guy and say you know, from his phone, his Apple phone, and he would say, "Hey, you know, it's me. I'm not I'm not home right now." And the guys go, "Well, somebody's got to sign for the package." And he goes, "Well, hang on a second. And he opened up his Tesla app on his on his phone because his Tesla was parked in the driveway. And he says, "And he said, let me see if I can unlock the, the trunk of the car." So he unlocked the trunk of the car, and it the, so the trunk opened up. And he says, "Put the package in the in the in the Tesla." You know, that's put, awesome. Put, and then and then he closed the lid, and the guy's like, "Wow, that's amazing, right?" So it's it's like like right out of Silence of the Lambs. You know, put the lotion in the basket. You know, but yeah, it was uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and that was you know sort of basically Google, Amazon, Tesla, and and Apple all solving the problem of not a sign for a package when you're not at home. <laughs> Amazing. N- neither company really working together on it, but it was interesting that somebody was able to stitch together their own solution. And he made a video this. of it at the same time. That's the, I guess he must have recorded it with the Nest Cam, right? Yeah. Like, I know that Amazon is trialing out this sort of capability of having, um, I think we talked about on the show, the yeah. delivery person who can deliver stuff into your house using their yeah. camera system and their um, door locking system. Yeah. And also trialing out the delivering to your the trunk of your car not in any arbitrary place apparently just uh either in your driveway as in this individual's example or in your um in your work parking lot uh, yeah so like not on the freeway not at the um not at the AMW <laughs> on 45th street or something you're driving you know, down like, the highway at 55 and the trunk opens and the amazon guy just throws the package in yeah <laughs> yeah like a scene out of james bond movie or something right mission yeah. impossible <laughs> but right. it does seem like a, a strangely reasonable way for somebody to show like yeah you know it's supposed to be delivered to this address there is the vehicle that's described at this address and you know if you've ever had anything pulled out from one of those um like i know amazon has the amazon locker i think walmart has something similar or maybe home depot i'm thinking of something yeah, with an orange yeah, sort right. of theme maybe even both of them have it you know it, it's sort of like a like a lockbox and a, kind of a reasonable one i mean yeah, i suppose it hypothetically makes your vehicle more tempting than it already is as 
a target for you know thievery, but uh, if you're okay with that particular risk factor, then it seems better than leaving it on your doorstep, which certainly I've seen probably hundreds of videos of people posting on their, their Nest or their Ring uh, doorbell uh, yeah. video camera that's like, oh, look, somebody sketchy came by and stole stuff, you know, my Amazon nice. delivery package right off my porch. Yeah, I've had I've had stuff stolen directly off my front uh, porch. Yeah, and your, your porch is hidden, too. It is, yeah. It's behind the gate, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I've had, I've had uh, we've had stuff disappear off our porch, too. Yeah, and they, but they won't take the garbage we leave on our porch. I don't understand. <laughs> but, yeah, you keep leaving it out there, hoping someone will come take I it. Know, I know. Just like, here, take it away. <laughs> well, is it, you know, in our neighborhood, you can put metal. If you put metal out, there are people driving around in trucks who will just come and get the metal because they, they sell it to the scrappers, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So if you have, yeah, there are people who dig through our recycling and get uh, get get cans and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We have, we have people, yeah. there's an entire live, income yeah. of people living like that. So I just leave the, yeah. I leave the cans and whatever on my porch for them to take. Yep. <laughs> come help yourself. All right. Well, my next pick is, uh, so I, I and, and I may know about this, I may have known about this many years ago and, I, and I've forgotten what it was, but uh, I, I, you know, I went through the, I installed Mojave on my computer and, and every couple of days it kept popping up and saying, hey, you want to find out what's new in Mojave? And to be honest with you, I don't remember a lot of the stuff that they showed at uh, WWDC. So I figured, you know, okay, sure, I'll, I'll just, you know, click on the thing. And it took me to an HTML page and what have you. And I went through it. And one of the keyboard commands were for taking screenshots, which I thought was interesting, you know, command shift three will take a screenshot of your entire uh, window, including, you know, from them to stern the whole thing, right? And if you hold command shift four, it gives you a cursor and you can drag a marquee around to, to take part of the shot, right? But but if you have, if you want to take a, if you have like a dialogue window, like a, like a, a, a pane from system preferences or something like that, and you want to take a screenshot of that, um, command shift five will take a screenshot of just that pane. But I don't know if you, or just the window. Like if I have a, like I'm looking at the Google Docs window in Safari, if I did command shift five right now, it would just take that application window, whatever the active window is. Um, so I don't know. Do you guys, have you guys heard of that command before? Or? I just tried it right now. It actually opened up, I think even better than what you said, it opened up a, uh, a resizable box. Right. Yeah. Um, this, this is this part of, I think this is part of the, the resizable box thing is now part of, yeah, like mine is, oh, I, I, in my case, I'm just, I'm hovering my, my, um, it gives me like a cursor that I can hover over the window mm-hmm. and I can just click on it. And let me see, I just click on this one here. Yeah, you're right. And it, it does a little box in the bottom, bottom yep. corner. And it, it is the same. It's the same box that you get when you, in Mojave, when you, when you select the, uh, the screenshot, I guess it's an app that's in your dock that showed up in your dock. Right. The, oh, really? I think that replaced, uh, grab. Oh, okay. Right. So, so grab is gone in Mojave, right? And they've got this new thing called screenshot, which I think actually works quite a bit better. Hmm. Well, it's just the same thing like this, like it opens it up and lets you annotate it like, uh, yeah. like, um, like it does on the phone, right? You can, you, mm-hmm. like I can, I just deleted it because I don't, I don't want to keep the screenshot, but yeah, it's kind of cool. So, so whether command shift five was there all along and we've just forgotten about it and, or now Apple's just enhanced it with this, this ability to preview, mm-hmm. um, and I guess move the thing around. Cause one of the things I love about my phone is if I want to post an image or screenshot to Twitter or put it in a, in a text message or something is, um, you know, it can take an image and it gives you that little floating box and you tap on it and, and go and edit it. And you can, you can, you know, use the share sheet action to share it to Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and then delete the image when you're done. Cause you don't want to, you just, you just want to put it out there. You don't want to keep a copy of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before you'd have to take a shot into your photo album and then send it from there. So that's, that's kind of cool. So command shift five, that's for taking screenshots of the active window nice. with enhancements on, um, from Mojave. Cool. Uh, the other one is real quick is, uh, we were talking about Luna display 
Play um, is one of the projects that I backed uh, when I first heard about it. Um, and you can buy it. Um, Luna Display, what it does is it's from the people who make Astropad, which is Astropad is the, the app that you can lo- you load it up on your Mac and you load it up on your iPad and you can use your pencil or you can use your, your finger too. And it, it gives you a, a window of what's on your Mac screen. So you can, you know, can ma- manipulate the content of your screen like you're using a, um, like a graphic tablet, right? So like a Wacom or something like that or Cintiq. Um, and I believe it's got a keyboard too. So you, and it's got some keyboard commands or shortcuts in there built into the, into, I have the Astropad Studio um, version. I have a year subscription so I can play around with that. Um, but Luna Display, it's, it's a little hardware device. It's a little dongle you stick into your, into your uh, either your USB-C port or your Thunderbolt port. I, I bought one for Thunderbolt Display too. I put one for my Thunderbolt port. And uh, what it does, it, lets, it makes my iPad into either a second screen on the Mac or, you know, if I want to mirror displays, I can just basically drive the the, um, the screen from my Mac. So I took it out for a spin quickly today. Like, you know, basically it was just a matter of downloading the two pieces of software. They immediately connected each other and found found themselves. And it was like almost zero config. Uh, I didn't have to do anything like in terms of entering codes or whatever. It just it just magically worked. And um, was it just, how, was it, how is that going to work if you have multiple iPads and like if you're in an office or something like that? Anywho, um, <laughs> there must be some way of connecting the two of them, but uh, or syncing, like deciding which ones, which one, which one of the many iPads you're, you have in your office that'll, that'll work with it. Um, my only complaint about it was once I, because I'd love to sit at my, on my desk or my couch with my iPad and, and use my, uh, my iPad to drive my Mac, but I don't have a, I don't have an external keyboard for my iPad, right? So mm. um, that was the one thing is it, you can't bring up the, I, I would think, you know, why couldn't you bring up the iPad screen, you know, the iPad virtual keyboard and, you know, just key stuff in on the iPad. But uh, that seems to be, it does support external external keyboards, of course, like if you had a Bluetooth keyboard or, or if you had the uh, the smart keyboard for the iPad Pro, that would be a solution. But uh, yeah, just, just one thing that uh, that was, that's the only thing that's missing, in my opinion, from, from this product. Otherwise, it was like zero config, up and running. I'm running on a 13-inch Air, so the screen resolution is pretty similar to the uh, resolution on the iPad. I think there's a little bit of black bars that happen on the side of the, when I was mirroring the display, um, a little bit of black bar happening on the on the Mac itself as it just mirrored the resolution resolution of the iPad, but yeah, otherwise it was pretty pretty similar. Um, yeah, so it's great. It does not, I mean, like if you have a Retina Mac, it's not going to get, you're not going to get Retina on the iPad, obviously, right? You're going to get whatever the iPad resolution is, but yeah, nice, uh, smooth, easy to use uh, product. So, and it's, a, oh, and I mentioned last week, it's now available to the public for purchase, right? So you can just go to the lunadisplay.com and buy one yourself. So I highly recommend it. It's pretty cool. And it's tiny. It's like smaller than, not even, smaller than a USB dongle. Like it's just a little tiny thing, right? Easy to lose, I'm sure. <laughs> That's my pick. So, honey, oh, I, sorry, I have one more pick. One of my, one of my crazy. Um, this is just a quickie. Uh, saw this posted by by one of the guys on the uh, Ray Wonderlick um, Black. Um, it's just a quick little illustration of. It's called the Illustrated TLS connection, and it goes through the steps that um, the client and server uh, um, do when they're talking to each other and exchanging, you know, bits of information in a TLS connection. So, if you're curious about how they work, um, if you click on any one of the, it basically puts a series of buttons on the in your web browser and you just click on any one of them at any stage you've got client hello server hello server certificate and, and exchange and you can see the sort of bits and pieces and explanation of what's going on and some you know um, basically hexadecimal code there to show you what's really going on like the certificate and what part of his certificate what parts the beginning and ending and all that kind of stuff so if you're curious about uh, what goes on in the exchange between your client and your server in a TLS connection take a look at this uh, link I'll link in the show notes and that's about it so Jaime do you have a pick? I do. Um, we were talking about this 
pre-show because it was a little confusing. So Swift and Fika, F-I-K-A, was a conference in Stockholm, Sweden that took place in September. Uh, I saw that the videos for the conference are on YouTube. So that's what we've linked in the show notes for those of you driving home. We have what? Um, looks like 11 videos from the conference. And uh, I've not had a chance to watch them, but uh, it looks like there could be some interesting topics here, like um, adventures in API design, uh, performance of standard iOS elements in tech, and probably um, how not to write Swift with Paul Hudson is probably one I'll end up watching. That's <laughs> got a tantalizing name, so I feel like it's drawing me in. Cool. Got to check some of those out. Yeah. And Fika, apparently it's linked on the, the homepage for the conference, is uh, is a Swedish term for a coffee break that's more about socializing than drinking coffee. Hmm. Huh. And apparently so they're they saying the conference is more about socializing than uh, learning about coding? Or is that what they're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I feel like there's a cultural disconnect there, maybe, but yeah, maybe, um, maybe. maybe it's about building community because it looks i mean if there's only 11 videos it probably was a single track conference mm. so i imagine it's sort of a smaller maybe it's just a one day thing. one day thing more of a workshop kind of thing than a full conference yeah yeah so um could be that it was like about building the community uh, mm-hmm. around that sort of thing all right mark hit us with your pick so my pick uh well it's a little bit of a shameless self-promotion but uh as i've mentioned many times on on the uh, show before i work for a startup called skydio to and we make a self-flying autonomous drone. And our big news that just came out today uh, is that our Skydio R1 drone is now available for sale in the Apple retail store. Uh, so you can go and check it out and uh, have a look at it. And coinciding with the with the Apple store release uh, is a new version of our app that has the first version of our Apple Watch app that I wrote uh, that you can actually use to fly the drone. And um, so I included a couple of links to some of the press. I have to say I've We've gotten some really, really nice uh, press coverage on this, and uh, they seem to like what we've done. So, so if you if you're interested in drones, uh, I would I would go check it out at the Apple Store. And uh, you know, if you do, wear your MTJC T-shirt, take a picture of you looking at the, <laughs> at the, at the drone in the store, and maybe we'll post it in the show notes, or maybe even send you a sticker or something like that. Sure. Um, so I have to ask you about the watch app. So is yeah. this is this a, a watch model you recommend with this thing? Like what? about responsiveness and all that kind of stuff well of course you know the 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 later uh version you have the better the series four is going to work the best uh but i actually did a lot of the development on a series two uh and it works fine so it series two or above is 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 great uh we have tested it on series one and you know obviously it's not going to be as responsive or as 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 fast on, on series one but but uh pretty much anything will work and there's a lot of intelligent use computer vision in the in the, the drone we mentioned that before for so it must yeah. the, the drone must sort of fly itself and it's it's just get, it's like sending a probe to mars in terms of like using a series one i guess right exactly yeah so so the what what makes our uh, drone different than most of the ones you get out there is most of them you have to use a, a a set of joysticks or something like that and you have to be kind of a an expert drone flyer in order to, to fly a thing so you so you don't crash it into something and and uh, you know i hear a lot of stories about people people buy these drones and they they have it for a week and then they crash it and then this is true uh, so, so ours, you don't fly it in a traditional way. Although you can, we we do have that option. But most of the time, you don't do it. It's it's controlled by just some very simple uh, controls from before. Now the the phone, and now and now also from the watch. Uh, where we, as you said, Tim, we use a whole set of of computer vision and machine learning algorithms to have the the vehicle figure out what's around it, and uh, and in doing so, knows how to avoid obstacles. And the way you 
fly it essentially is you tell it where to go by tapping on your on your uh, phone screen or or selecting a a target uh, which could be a person or a car or something like that and then you tell it uh, what mode to do this in you, it can be something like follow mode is the basic one which just follows you or there's a lead mode where it stays ahead of you and points backwards or there's an orbit mode where it will kind of fly around you uh and there's all sorts of all sorts of modes there's there's probably at least 20 different modes right now uh and um uh yeah so you can select those those modes on the watch now you can select your targets we show little thumbnails of of all of the potential follow targets that are that are visible to the vehicle uh and you can select one and, and do all that with the watch we also have uh this will be of interest to developers we've also just announced a new sdk so if you are a developer who's interested in developing for the, the vehicle for the drone uh sign up on our website www.skydio.com and so we're actually looking for some partners to to do some early development using the sdk cool. and, and it's like one of the, not one of these these things like you couldn't drive you couldn't tell the the thing to fly into a wall like is it like right no that, yeah that's that's that? exactly sorry i didn't make that clear that's exactly the whole point of it because because the vehicle is aware of what's around itself and it builds this 3d map of the world around it uh if you tell it to go follow you it will it will actually avoid obstacles so if there's a tree branch in the way it'll go around the tree branch if there's a brick wall it'll go over the brick wall and keep following you as it does it that's what's pretty amazing check out the videos uh in in the links i sent and there's a whole bunch more uh just you know do a google search on on skydio and you'll you'll see all sorts of stuff or, or look on youtube there's lots of videos there you can see what it can do well, this is how skynet starts right yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i mean <laughs> I, I see why you might say that uh you know it seems like the um the the hard kill or hunter killers i forget what they were called the hks from, from terminator and terminator 2 but um i think the happier thing that i looked at was like the family video they show on the the, the youtube video mm-hmm. maybe about a minute where you can have the the kids interact with stuff or have it follow one versus the other uh that seemed pretty seamless and, and fun to use so yeah it seems very very exciting and congrats on uh, on getting that into the Thank store you. and everything Thank that's, you, that's sure. a huge thing and we choose to use our power for good not evil <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> for capturing memories, not capturing people. Um, That's right. Uh, tell me a little bit about the SDK. Is it? Uh, I'm sure people are out there are clamoring and wondering. Is it uh, an Objective C or a, a Swift SDK? It's is a Swift it, SDK. Is it open source? It's a Swift SDK. But of course, you know, just like anything else on iOS, if you're developing in Objective C, you can just use bridging headers to 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 pull the Swift side in. Cool. Yeah. Do you pull it in as a CocoaPod Carthage? Copy and paste the files over. How does how does that work? Uh, there will be a CocoaPod soon. Yes. Yeah, for right now, uh, that's not ready yet, but it will be soon. So by the time uh, anyone uh, hears this, probably we should have we should be close to having that ready. Right. Mm. So is it a framework now, or how does it work? It is framework. Yes. Yes. Yeah, a couple okay. different frameworks that you import. Right. Yeah. Traditional. <laughs> yep. Pretty standard. But technically, it's a third party framework, right, Mark? It is. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds like fun. Yeah. So it's Can pretty, you tell pretty us pretty what they retail for? Like, do you, are you allowed to say? Or? Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not public information uh it's 1999 mm-hmm. uh, us us dollars right right and uh you know that, that's some people are going to say wow that's kind of expensive for a drone because you can get a lot of them for much less yeah. but when you see the thing and see what it can do i, I have to say so myself when it, it's pretty amazing so if this is your thing I, I think you'll find it worth the money sure. is it is it come assembled like or as you see in the picture here or does it uh, is there some some assembly required oh, no, no no yeah no assembly required uh it, there's 
there's basically only a couple of different pieces that you can even take off. There's there's uh, propellers that it comes with propellers, of course. But if you know, sometimes it can happen that a propeller breaks or something like that, and so you can get new ones and, and put those on. Uh, and the battery uh, pushes into the side or to the back. Uh, it has kind of a magnetic uh, uh, clamp holding it on. Uh, so those obviously when you charge the battery, you pull the thing out and put it in a charger. So you have to you have to put that in every time you use it. So you can have a couple of batteries and sort of never run out. Sort of yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right, cool. Yeah, I see in the picture here, there's a camera above and there's two cameras on top and I assume there's cameras all around. There's actually 13 cameras. Wow. Uh, one of them is the 4K video camera mm-hmm. uh, that when you see when you see videos, that's coming from the 4K video. Uh, and the other 12 are used for navigation. So there's six pairs of cameras all around the thing and that's how it kind of builds this this world map of, of what's around it in all different directions. Hmm. Here's a dumb question. Does it remember the world map between flights or? It does not remember the world map. No, no. It's it's because it's all real time. It's just all done in real time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. At, at some point, probably it will, will add some extra memory in there. So if you go to the same place twice, it, it will kind of have a rough memory of, of what was there. But but the truth is, things are changing, right? So mm-hmm. so if if you're trying to avoid a tree, uh, and you know the wind blows and it blows the branch of the tree, you don't want the the drone to be remembering where the tr- where the tree branch was last time you flew. You want it to you want to know where it is now. So. So there's not a huge amount of reason to to keep that map around from flight to flight. So can it can it um hand, like if there's a wind blowing like I guess up to a certain force it can it can manage the wind as well like yeah of, of course yeah of course there is a there's if it's too windy you wouldn't want to fly the thing in a hurricane obviously right, uh, if yeah, it's yeah. too windy uh it's it, it won't be able to to keep up just because it'll just it's getting blown away so much it won't be able to to re you know to stay on the path that you set and we have warnings that come up if it gets too too uh, too windy, it'll the, the both the app and the and the wa- and the watch app will give you a warning saying it's too windy. You want to land, and if it gets mm-hmm. really too windy that it just can't fly anymore, it will it will uh, do an auto landing and and, uh, and just go down to save itself. Right? Can can it do like can you do like search and rescue kind of stuff with it? Like if you if you wanted to say can you say fly out five hundred yards that way and come back and sure you can do that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep. Or, or yep. set like a patrol like a patrol for it to go back and forth. Across a certain path or whatever. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, these cinematic mo- uh, moves or or actually skills is what we call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can develop your own uh, right. with uh, We have actually two different SDKs. We have we have this uh, skills SDK which let you define things like that, and we have the the app development SDK as well. Oh, neat. Yeah. Any more questions, Jaime? No, no. This is uh, fantastic stuff. Cool. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. So hopefully everyone will go check it out. Yeah. Well, hopefully they'll let one fly around in the, in the Apple Store. Yeah. <laughs> or the center they could the eaton center is pretty big yeah. um all right so i guess that's it for another week so hi if people want to get in touch with you on the interwebs where would they look i'm on twitter as at dev with the hair all right and mark if people want to get in touch with you mark r at snapsoft.com and mark r at skydio there's also market skydio yeah market skydio.com all right yeah. um as i say every week my name is timitra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitcher machine is how to get a hold of me and uh, until next week we'll see you later bye bye bye, bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. 
If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, so I went to the Eaton Center to see if your your drone was there, Mark, and it wasn't. It wasn't there, yeah. 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 Well, I do know that some of the stores in Toronto got them. Yeah, well, they, whether they got them and put them out is two different things, right? Because right. it's up to the yeah. managers, right, to put it out. Sure, yeah. You know? yeah. Like when I got my iPad Pro, I went there the day they came out, and I, I didn't see them anywhere, and, and I just went to look, right? And then um, some guy brought one from, from the back for some lady who bought the first one, and I said, oh, do you have those? And he goes, yeah, yeah, they're in the back. We haven't brought them out yet. So. Mm, yeah. And I said, well, can I see one? By the time he handed it to me, I'm like, okay, here's my money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, does it have a case? Can I get Apple Care? you know yeah maybe it'll show up in a couple of days or maybe it'll be at the other store who knows well like the york yorkdale mall is is more she she kind of like mall it's so it's probably a bigger one well i mean eaton's is eaton's is a big deal too like it's on the third okay. eaton's has like a it's a three-story um thing it's like a it's like a city block long and uh it's been there since the 70s i used to hang around we were hung around it when, when it was being constructed when we were kids but um yeah it's like one of those typical paris indoor malls it's got the dome ceiling and the whole like glass dome ceiling like a big greenhouse ceiling mm. um, and the third floor stores are like all the fancy jewelry and you know places like that right mm-hmm. um there's so much some american chains moved into the end of the mall there i forget what it's called but um yeah and then um it's not nordstrom's but something like that um yeah and then uh and Oh, maybe it is Nordstrom's in that mall. Um, but the 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 Yorkdale Mall is huge. It's like you know the huge megaplex mall, and there's like gobs of parking all the way around it. Like you can park like it's like three or four football fields long of parking. You know, right, right. Yeah. You know, and it's just like it's just and Saturdays and Sundays it's just like there's nowhere to park because yeah. it's like completely full. And it's like you know they have all the fancy um, restaurants and you know and then the Apple Store and the Microsoft Store are like you know three or four stores apart, and they're really big big shops like you know um like the one at yorkdale i'm pretty sure it's about as wide as the one in palo alto mm-hmm. you know like that big that big fancy one they have there yep yeah so it's about so i would expect that they would have more shelf space for that kind of stuff right right and it's funny when we talk about we're going to talk about apple store in a, in a little bit in the show here and in the video that i've got clipped in here the the store that they, they show in the in the video is the yorkdale store hmm. you can tell by the genius bar genius uh they have a bar at the, at the back of the store which is where the genius um bar is right so, is that what they call it, Genius Bar? Genius Bar, yeah. 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 Yep. yeah, whereas the one in Toronto or Eaton Center, it's it's they've basically encroached on the tables where the products are. There's so many people there to see the geniuses that they've just, you know, those big marble table or those maple tables, they've, they've taken them over. So, at the front of the store is all the product, and then the, the back half of the store is all people at Genius Bar. Hmm. Like, and it's just, and it's packed. You know, there's usually like 10 or 12 people around each table, right? So, getting repairs or advice or what have you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah.
No, Margaret, uh, I don't know how you feel about giving like a conference presentation, but it strikes me that this would be one of those like really cool sort of things yeah. to have at a conference. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I have been thinking about that. No, you have it fly around and like sort of fly around and, and focus on you and show the video on the screen as you're talking about it. Yeah, you absolutely can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it would have to be a conference that allows commercial type presentations. Right. right? A lot of them don't. Uh, oh, a lot yeah? of them don't want you to just have any kind of product mention at all. Mm. But, oh, that's um, true. Yeah, but, but I think it it would be kind of cool. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, 360i dev or something. Well, that one just passed, but next summer. Yeah. Or maybe NS North. That's in April. When's the call for papers? I don't know. I should ask Dan. Let me ask him now. Do they allow this kind of stuff? Uh, I don't know. Well, the, well they had they had the um, iBeacon stuff, right? You know? But I guess it probably wasn't like a vendored solution. I think, um, if I get what Mark's getting at, you probably want something where, like, um, dev advocates from Azure or Google Cloud or AWS can present a session. And, you know, uh, it, it can be partially uh, sort of businessy, which I think is what people are concerned about. But I think in this case, mm-hmm. this is like a legitimately cool SDK that people can use. It's yeah, not just true. like, hey, here's our product. Take a look at it. It's like, oh, look, you can go build stuff with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it seems perfectly valid to me. But but Mark's right. You definitely have to find a conference that uh, is cool with that sort of thing. And then yeah. Amy Winehouse is coming back as a, as a hologram. Really? That is going to cause everybody who's even remotely a celebrity to think about yeah. posthumous um, control of their own rights. If, if you know, obviously not for themselves because they'd be dead, but for their estate and how that mm. works. Mm. So there, are, there are people. So I don't know. I've been really kind of impressed by um, you know, they're a competitor for I guess both of us, Tim. But uh, Capital One's selection of Michael Jackson and Prince and Whitney Houston for their recent ad campaigns. Oh yeah, and uh, I know that there are Prince fans who are kind of more miffed about. It. Um, and hypothetically, if Prince had you know thought about this, he probably would have uh, maybe put it in his state that, that they couldn't do this sort of thing. But um, it certainly, certainly is something that people have to think about. I mean, look at Rogue One with uh, Peter Cushing, right? Was, yeah, uh, re- yeah, revived. And, and as that technology gets better, we're only going to see it you know more and more in the future. Not to mention Carrie Fisher, right? In the mm-hmm. yeah, in the last. Would you guys? Well, she's, always, she's always complained that George Lucas owned her image, right? Every time she looked in the mirror, she had to send him royalties. Mm. <laughs> Did you guys see the um, the deep fakes that somebody was doing? with uh, the Solo movie, the Solo Star Wars movie, no, where they put really? Harrison Ford's face oh, on, uh, on the actors. Yeah, yeah. No, what was the deal with that? The, you know, the deep fake technology where you can take one person's face and put it on another person's body? Uh, they did that. And so they overwrote the, um, I forget the main actor's name in Solo. They overwrote his face with uh, a somewhat de-aged Harrison Ford from uh, oh, really? probably like Star Wars, the original, because it seemed rather young to me. Hmm. On YouTube or whatever? Or? I'll see if I can find a link. It's probably on YouTube. Uh, by now if it hasn't been taken down if not i'll see if there's a verge article or something that's cool does youtube take stuff down uh all the time it, it kind of depends on how aggressive the um the rights folks are hmm. interesting well we're waiting for that you guys heard paul allen died yeah it's pretty yeah, young they've, was he like 65 really wow did he say yeah. why or how uh hodgkin's lymphoma oh, non-hodgkin's okay. lymphoma no, non-hodgkin's i'm not sure what that means because i didn't look it up yeah i think the they... bad one is non-hodgkin's right uh, apparently yeah oh is he yeah hmm. interesting that would suck. Yeah. So in case you're wondering, it's now 7-5 to five Red Sox in the bottom of the 7th. But <laughs> the Astros have a man on first, one out. Oh, just popped up. Okay, two outs. In the 7th inning, you said? Bottom of the 7th, yes. What's the score again? 7-5. to five. Game's been going back and forth. You know, one, oh. one run leads back and forth and trading off. Hmm. Is that very competent? Very competent? What do you mean? <laughs> one team over the other, I mean. Well, it's two very closely matched teams, so, right. you know, so it goes back. Mm-hmm. That's a crapshoot. Yeah. All right. Okay, I think I found one. 
People have been trying it for a while, so I think this is the one that was posted today. One sec. Okay, I put it below Mark's Skydio pick. It's in the show notes. So, hey, Mark, have you been watching uh, Doctor Who? Uh, yeah, although I didn't w- finish the end of last episode because for some oh, okay. reason. So I have, it, I have it on tape. Uh, mm-hmm. Not tape. That's, and, you know, I know that shows how old I am. Yeah. Um, you know, it's okay, yeah. but I'm not blown away by it. It's and it, nothing to do with her. It's it's just the stories have been just kind of dull, I thought. I don't know. Yeah. But you know what? When the last guy first started, Peter Quality first started, I didn't think yeah. he, he was that. They were that great too. But he, but he grew on me. So she yeah, it's funny. Me. I was looking at the the new um, the, in, the interior of the new um, uh, TARDIS. I, I wasn't thrilled with it when I first saw it. Oh, I haven't seen it yet because it's that must be at the end of this oh, episode, right? No, never mind. I didn't say yeah, that. Don't I, say not, I meant I meant her new uh, her new Volkswagen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, I knew <laughs> I knew it was coming because they when I stopped watching, they they were about to go find it or something like that. Yeah. So so I know it's well, coming. But just so, because we were just telling Jaime about the fact that Doctor Who has two hearts and stuff like that. So Jaime's never seen Doctor Who before, right? Never, so, ever? Well, well until last episode. week when I saw the Series 11, Episode 1. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so that's so I've been familiar enough with the um, uh, with its place in, in culture, and so right. I knew a little bit of some stuff like the Sonic Screwdriver and the uh, the Companions and the TARDIS, yeah. but sort of like at the level of like somebody who, you know, who's never seen Star Trek, but like they know... Uh, you know about Kirk and Spock and other sort of things right. that that leach out into the mainstream. Right. right. Well, I think well, you have to go the, back to the beginning and binge watch the whole the whole. No, thing. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I'll find the dark the lost episodes on the dark web. You know. Right. Well, right. you know, most most people who watch it now started with Chris Christopher Eccleston's series with uh, with Billy yeah, Piper. That's true. Yeah. The, the, the new the new the new gen the next generation basically. But the, the, what I was going to say though about uh, about the TARDIS is with every actor who becomes the Doctor or with every incarnation. Of the Doctor, the TARDIS also changes, mm-hmm. and it's funny though because you know the TARDIS was supposed to be this ship that could morph into any anything, like like it could look like anything on the outside, but it's broken. It's stuck on being a police box, right? So, which is and why it always looks it's the been same broken way. for the past uh, fifty years. years, at least. You know, you you think back when he was hopping up to Gallifrey all the time, he could have just taken it into the shop, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, did he go to Gallifrey a lot in the in the early days? I don't remember. Uh, back in the in the Tom Baker days, he went there. A bunch of times. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But he went to he, he went to Gallifrey in a few of the uh, Christmas specials, mm. right? The one with um, the one where Tom Baker was the uh, the, the gallery um, guy at uh, what do you call him? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because that was the three dimensional painting from Gallifrey, right? Right, right. And they actually go into the painting. And that was his first appearance since he left the show. He was always against uh, coming back for all those. Oh, was he? Reading oh. shows. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. Well, back when I started watching it, it was on PBS or whatever and mm-hmm. they were all out of order so you would see john pertwee episodes and then you would see colin baker episodes sorry tom baker mm-hmm. oh yeah and I, I never watched any of the doctors in in the 80s or the 80 late 80s right you know the guy the guy um, that's uh, david Tennant's um father-in-law is the is the last doctor i watched he's uh i forgot his name i think he's no, is he baker hmm. yeah i mostly watched it when it was tom baker and then the guy who followed him the uh the all creatures great and small guy yeah him yeah yeah that's yeah. That's, the, that's when i stopped watching it too yeah yeah, but it, I was confused by him at first because I'd, I'd watch, finished watching all creatures, big grid and small too. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember being confused too because I didn't know 
the doctor uh, regenerated. So I oh, really? was watching it and then all of a sudden there's a new guy. Wait a minute. I yeah. guess I missed the episodes where, where it happened, where he changed. So. Well, I don't know. Are there episodes where they where they regenerate in the old days? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. There's one for each of them. I mean, it wasn't uh, as, as uh, CGI'd as it is now. Yeah. So Jaime, do you, do you have any guesses as to why the doctor regenerates? I mean, the real reason? Um, Probably because... It's BBC and they don't have money for big time <laughs> players. So it's like, hey, you want a new contract? No, guess what? We replace you with another actor. We'll just write it into the show that you regenerate. Yeah. Well, there's there's, a, there's actually a story about the original or, origins of the Doctor from the, when it was first put on TV. But the original actor um, was a, was a bit grumpy, William Hartnell, and uh, he started. They thought he was having dementia. He was pretty old. He was like in his sixties or whatever, and they thought he was like having dementia or something like that. And so they they felt they had to get you know they. He did a couple of seasons, maybe three or four seasons, and then they felt, uh, yeah, three seasons it says here, and then they felt they had to get a new guy, and so they came up with this this way of switching out the actor. <laughs> you know, pretty good run. I mean, it started in like '63, right? So yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at that. Um, I'm looking at the uh, the uh, Wikipedia page right now. Mm. So the doctor that is the one you and I are talking about is after Tom Baker is Peter Davidson. Right, right. Peter Davidson's daughter married David Tennant. Oh, really? So yeah, the, sometimes you'll see two doctors out to dinner hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah 2005 is when the when the new uh, doctor came out david Tennant was a doctor for uh looks like uh, five years here and then um matt smith with first three and then yeah so and then peter uh, peter cabaldi three as well hmm. yeah. yeah but david Tennant really sort of cemented the the role if you listen to if you listen to tammy there's no other doctor besides david Tennant. <laughs> yeah the kids today with their new doctors and all that i know eh? <laughs> <laughs> you know. tom baker is the only real doctor who yeah oh yeah hmm. Don't you think? Well, see, I started with John Pertree, right? So, oh, okay. He was the but James, I, Tom, he was the James but Bond. But I saw Tom doctor. Baker first, though, right? Right, right. Which which didn't make any sense. Because, like, like back then, back in the 70s, you used to get, they used to be, like, six or six months to a year delayed in terms of coming over here to be played on American TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that, that I saw them out of order. Or unless I saw the doctor, the early doctor, Pertree playing Doctor Who, and just, I was so young, I didn't remember watching it. But I remember he had that funny car, right? Right. The yellow car? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and a TARDIS, I guess. Well, he was the one that was, they took his TARDIS away, right? He was stranded on Earth. Oh, was he? Oh. At least at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, because there's all these people like, um, who, you know, they make all the, like the, there's the guys that make the 51st, 50, uh, 501 Legion that make all the Star Wars costumes and R2-D2s and stuff like that. There are people like that who do Doctor Who. Like there's, at our at our fan expo, you'll see like a parade of Daleks that people have made, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they all drive, they sit in them and drive around in them and stuff like that, but th- but th- this year I saw the yellow car that that Pure Tree uh, mm. somebody made it made a, a version of it right so mm. wasn't the original one. Mm-hmm. Yep, lots of fun Doctor Who the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Mommy has no idea what we're talking about. No, yeah, like I said, I had never seen an episode until last week. So yeah. um, wow, amazed. Mm-hmm. It's never made it onto my radar. Stranger things have happened. Yeah, now we just saw it as an opportunity to sort of uh, well, because that's what they do on on um, uh, Sestracast. They t- the uh, one one lady's never seen. Four from Black, and the other one's seen it like three times, right? So they they talk about it from from the perspective of someone who's just seeing it for the first time, and then someone who's you know seen it many many times, right? Mm. So very interesting. All right. Anyway, I gotta go pack it in because I'm running out of steam. All right. I gotta wash the end of the game. It's now the uh, eighth inning, but it's actually still up seven to five. Things are looking good. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Ooh. All right. All right, okay. guys. Have talk a good to you week. later. Talk okay. to you later. Yeah, you see it. Bye. 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 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.